Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. This is a Design for Living Big Book Meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. My name is Violet, and I am a compulsive eater and your chairperson today. To open the meeting, let us have a moment of quiet meditation, followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. We start this meeting by remembering our common purpose to extend the heart and hand of the OA Fellowship to those who still suffer. Let us be mindful of OA's, OA unity's, OA's unity with diversity policy, which respects our differences, yet unites us in the solution to our common problem. Whatever problem you may have with food, you are welcome at this meeting. Today, we are delighted to have Beth B. joining us to share her experience, strength, and hope focused on concepts, concepts one and two. So um, right now, um, I'd ask if Lois could please unmute and read the, con the two concepts that Beth's going to be speaking on, concept one and concept two. And I think we're going to see that on the screen share. Come on in, Lois. Thank you. I'm Lois, compulsive overeater. Uh, the 12 concepts of OA service. One, the ultimate responsibility and authority of OA world service resides in the collection, in the collective conscience of our whole fellowship. Two, the OA groups, the, the OA groups have delegated to World Service Business Conference the active maintenance of our world service. Thus, World Service Business Conference is the voice authority and effective conscience of OA as a whole. So I would now like to welcome Beth B um, from uh, East Coast of the United States to uh, the group um, Region 6 to share on her experience on concept one. And um, welcome. Thank you so much. Um, I have to say that I'm pretty nervous, like who knows about the concepts. Um, I am a compulsive overeater and I, am here to speak to you just because I can't stop eating, you know, without, without this fellowship. And that is my only qualification. Um, I agreed to do this because I have spent some time doing a concept study, which is pretty interesting because our fellowship has a pamphlet, um, which I had, but I don't have right here, a pamphlet talking about the concepts. So it's not a whole lot of information to do a concept study on, but I did do, do it with another person. She had um, uh, some questions for me. She had some experience. And, um, and so my, what I'm gonna talk on is from my notes, from my concept study with uh, this other fellow. And so it's kind of random, you know, it's not, not particularly well organized, um, but I'm, I'm going to just start and I've got my 25 minute timer going. Um, so the concept one, 
The spiritual principle is unity. And I think that's a, a good thing for us to keep in mind. And the concept says the ultimate responsibility and authority for OA world services reside in the collective conscience of our whole fellowship. So I've been thinking about a lot these days about who is the boss of me. After 33 years in OA, I, I'm comforted by the idea that in OA, we're all individually responsible. And part of that individual responsibility is to be part of the collective conscience of our fellowship. Uh, concept 12D states that all important decisions shall be reached by discussion, vote, and whenever possible by substantial unanimity. So that is what a collective conscience is. You know, I'm used to, I know we've got people from all over the world uh, and I'm speaking English, I'm speaking quickly. I'm not sure if that's a problem. If it is, somebody should let me know. Um, but by collective conscience, the words that I use are group conscience. Um, that's what I have learned in my group meetings. And, um, and so that travels all the way through our service structure to the group conscience at... Um, it comes from the group conscience. All Everything in OA comes from our group consciences. Okay, so the service structure of OA and other 12-step programs is unique. In most groups, someone is the boss and he, well, it's almost always a he, uh, tells the board what to do and the board tells the managers what to do and the managers tell the workers what to do and the individuals do what the bossman said. In OA, we as individual members come together to discuss our ideas and to learn and talk and pray and listen. And then we vote on policies, which are then carried out by the groups and by the inner groups and by the regions and by the board of trustees and the World Service Office. No one makes the decisions other than individuals through the group conscience. That's what this whole thing is about. Then we willingly follow the group conscience because according to tradition two, we believe that that's our higher power uh, talking to us. The higher power of my, our understanding is expressed through that group conscience. So as individual members, you know, just compulsive overeaters who find this fellowship for our personal recovery, um, we participate in our groups. And we use a group conscience to elect someone to represent us at intergroup. An intergroup uses a group conscience to elect representatives to our region assemblies and to make decisions that affect the region as a whole. Uh, the meeting itself, uh, if it's uh, from Melbourne, Australia, is in region 10. As I introduce myself, I'm in region six. So region assemblies make decisions that affect the region as a whole. and um, the, our, our representatives that we send there, they also work on our region committees. The, the job is to carry the message. That's our primary purpose. It's the only job. Um, intergroups also elect delegates to the World Service Business Conference where individual delegates make decisions by group conscience that affect OA throughout the world as, as a whole. And those delegates also work on World Service committees. So OA is known uh, is what is known as a representative democracy. In my country, we frequently vote for people who say something we like, someone who looks the way we like people to look, 
or someone that that someone we like likes. Um, that's my assessment, you know. In OA, we're frequently re represented by anyone who's willing to do the work. Many people, especially in the beginning, don't even understand how OA works beyond the group level. For a very long time, we don't understand how OA works at all. You know, like I, I just remember I came, I guess I should say a little bit about my story. I came in uh, 33 years ago uh, into the rooms and I started doing service quite quickly. Um, I came in in the middle of the month the next week, they had a, a business meeting, group conscience, and they asked if somebody would chair the meeting for the next month. And I'd been at, I was at my second meeting, but I had seen what the chair did. She read and I couldn't do that. So I said, could I do it? They said, yes. That the, So that next month I chaired the meetings and at that business meeting, the next business meeting, they asked for somebody to be an intergroup rep. And I said, what do they do? And they said, they go to one meeting a month. I thought, well, I could do that. So I went, but I had no idea what was happening. I had no idea how the pro program worked. And I had no idea, you know, about the service structure. But I kept coming back and, and I, I learned. Um, if we're lucky, um, a newcomer eventually hears about intergroup, sometimes by the call at each business meeting saying, we still need an intergroup rep, and sometimes by the intergroup's report, reps report at the business meeting. And uh, it's possible in some groups that only people that stay for the business meeting will hear the intergroup reps report. And a lot of people don't stay for the business meeting because they don't understand how OA works. They think, those people will take care of that. They've been here longer. They're smarter than me. They care about business and treasuries and all that kind of stuff. It's not important to me. I'll let them handle it. So sometimes one of the best things for a group to do is to make an unpopular decision. Uh, maybe there are 30 regulars at the meeting, but only five of them stay for the business meeting. The business meeting, you know, say does something like changes the format or they change the location, or they decide to allow smoking in the meeting and everyone gets upset. They can't do that. We don't wanna do that. Well, the answer is go to the business meeting, make a motion to change things, participate, make a motion to do things your way and participate. So when I start to participate, I have a voice in what happens. And even when the vote goes you know, against what, I want, it's easier for me to accept it if I've been participating, but that's concept four. Concept one is that our fellowship works by group conscience from individual individual meetings to decisions that are made for OA as a whole. So, uh, you know, about participating in the group conscience, just because I'm a long timer, I don't get to say I've done enough. I'm not going to participate just because you may be a new member um, it's helpful, or as a new member, I learned that uh, what I have to say is important and it can make all the difference in a group's collective conscience. Um, and so that is what is meant by the ultimate responsibility. That's part of the, 
part of the, uh, it's the beginning part of the concept, the ultimate responsibility and authority. Uh, the ultimate responsibility means that um, even if I choose not to participate, not to discuss, not to vote, I'm still responsible. Uh, we're all responsible. That's a collective responsibility and it rests on the responsibility of each individual. And it's a corner, it's the cornerstone of our program. There's no they, you know, I've heard they're making up food plans. They aren't uh, writing or they aren't, aren't changing our literature, you know, they, 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 but um, it's not they, it's only them. We are the only ones here doing this work. So we're responsible even if we don't participate and especially if we don't participate because then things are kind of out of our control. So one of the hallmarks of uh, the group conscience process is that we make informed group consciences, I mean, group decisions. For our group decision to be truly informed, sometimes someone needs to do some research you know, maybe they're looking for new venues for the meeting and they come back to the group with, with the information. Um, the whole group should be given the information and then be given the chance to participate. So, um, you know, that might happen. And then somebody thinks I could do better than that. And they go and do their own research. So all the information is brought back to the group for discussion. In the discussion, it's really good if everybody gets to share their opinion. That makes us a truly informed um, uh, decision when we go to vote. You know, sometimes I think, oh, you know, in general, I agree with that. And so-and-so already said it, so I won't speak up. But if I explain my slightly different reasoning, I might use words that help someone else see things differently. Or I might think, um, I think just the opposite, but everyone seems to like the idea, so I won't say anything. Obviously, in many circumstances, not every person can speak every time, but it's really important to share. In one business meeting, you know, in one of my local groups, we voted 15 to 1 on some motion. And as chair of the business meeting, I was chairing the business meeting, I started to just move on. You know, I was finished. And someone raised their hand and asked the single nay vote um, why she voted the way she did. And her reasoning changed all of our minds. It just was so clear that we hadn't thought of that. And, um, you know, I'm grateful to this day that it, that it happened that way. Uh, another aspect of concept one is that the individual through the group conscience is given the authority for OA World Services. So when I was eight years old, I was uh, given the responsibility to babysit my brothers. They were seven and five years old. When I look at an eight-year-old lesson, uh, you know, now, I just think that's kind of terrible um, because it was a huge responsibility for a small child such as I was. And I took it really seriously. You know, I was told my brothers had to follow certain rules and it was my job to have them do that. But the problem was I had no authority. I was an eight-year-old kid and they weren't very impressed with me and they just laughed at me and they laughed at me and they did what they wanted. And then I got, I got in trouble when, when they did what they wanted, when they did what they shouldn't 
what they shouldn't do. And um, that's really not a good, I wasn't put in a good position, you know? And so um, if you're going to give someone responsibility, then, then we should also give them the authority to do it. I mean, one example of that is, um, is if we agree that, that our group is going to pay a certain bill, like pay for our video conferencing account, then the treasurer just does that. They have not only the responsibility, but the authority to do that. They don't need to come back and, and uh, ask, over, ask over and over again. So um, I, I just, I'm gonna get a little more general here. Uh, so concept 12F says that no OA service committee or service board shall ever perform any acts of government and each shall always remain democratic in thought and action. So in general, all the concepts, all 12 concepts, guide us in serving each other in our business manners and they show us how 12th step work is done on a broad scale. Uh, how members of the world service level relate to each other and, and to the groups and how we spread the message of OA recovery worldwide. They spell out how a conference of delegates from all over the world can supervise world service so it always conforms to the traditions. They tell us how to apply our spiritual principles to our working relationships in our service structure. By participating, we expand our recovery. I know I have. With members with different ideas come together to solve our common problems. By sharing these ideas and exploring alternatives and seeking spiritual guidance and using the concepts to reach decisions that we can all live. That's one way that we define unanimity, you know, something that we can all live with, something that nobody's going to stomp away mad about, uh, you know, that we've, we've at least addressed each person's concerns. Um, Doing service, we practice healthy ways to arrive at decisions that involve others. And we eventually become more comfortable in making decisions and with accepting the effects of those decisions. So for me, that's been a growing process. I mean, since that, that, first, uh, that first full month when I was the chair of the meeting to when I was an intergroup rep, um, in 1995, I went to my first World Service Business Conference. I, um, you know, in the beginning, I was just entirely moved by the process. You know, when things got tense, people would say the serenity prayer. That's how we would come, you know, when they did that, when people would be arguing a pro and a con, and I would feel tension, you know, because everybody didn't agree. Um, somebody would go to the center mic and they would call for the serenity prayer. And it really made me see that I am really searching for a higher power to express itself in, in our group conscience. And, uh, you know, that that's the, that's the main goal. Um, and anyways, it's really moving. Of course, so the World Service Business Conference is the largest group conscience of the OA Fellowship. We have a volunteer structure 
service structure with very few paid workers. Last time I checked, our world service office was fully staffed with 17 paid workers. Um, you know, I thought there might be more. There are 17 of them. They do a good job. They do a lot of work. Um, so we can't, you know, none of us can uh, depend solely on our own wisdom. So we need each other and our paid workers. And sometimes we need paid consultants. Those are, those are uh, addressed in other concepts. Um, and it's good to remember that our leaders serve us, individual members. We don't serve them. Um, and that our higher power guides our group conscience. And we follow that guidance of our higher power at every level. That's what the group conscience is. Uh, so because we're volunteers practicing the spiritual discipline of rotation of service, we need clear definitions of responsibility and authority uh, when we're deciding the policies and procedures. And um, when we, you know, when we have people that act on the decisions made by the group conscience. So the World Service Business Conference makes the decisions. And then uh, if it's, you know, there are certain things that the World Service Office, the paid staff does to carry those things out. There are certain things that the Board of Trustees does to carry out those decisions made by the World Service Business Conference. And there are certain things, you know, where it's carried out at the region, at the inner group or at the group level. Um, another big aspect of this for me is as uh, members working step 12, we, we have to carry the message or we're not working step 12, you know, step 12 says that we carry the message. So that means do some kind of service. I'd like to be clear that service um, doesn't have to look any particular way. Like I was a born bureaucrat. So I've, uh, you know, that's kind of just my thing. So I've been a member of my inner group for uh, 28 out of my 33 years. Uh, right now I'm serving on the board of trustees and in that position, I'm not allowed to be a member of my inner group, which I have to say is kind of nice, uh, you know, a reason for me to step back. But my first sponsor, who has like 50 years of abstinence, um, she's never gone to an inner group meeting, but she calls a newcomer every day. And I envy and I admire her service. You know, she's not a bureaucrat. She's not into business meetings and stuff. She participates in her group's business meetings, but she does service. So service doesn't have to look any particular way. And then um, there's step 12 that we have to follow by carrying the message. And then we also want to apply st um, tradition seven of being fully self-supporting. And, you know, mo well, at least I, thought of that in terms of money, you know, to be fully self-supporting, I needed to pay what I could. When I came in, people, we called it, put a buck in the basket. Then there was the, there were the little cards that said it takes two. And they encouraged us to take, put $2 in the basket. Uh, you know, we give what we can and that's important. But as I've grown over time in service, I, I understand that it's, what's really important, an important part of step seven is to contribute our experience, strength, and hope, as well as our time and effort. And that would be in 
you know, in service, in the service structure. Um, so the ultimate responsibility and authority means that the World Service Business Conference has the right to have the final say in any matter. Uh, and, you know, they talk about two types of responsibility and authority, the ultimate responsibility and also delegated responsibility. But we want to exercise both of those with loving care and wisdom. And um, groups exercise their ultimate authority by wisely electing representatives and delegates and by keeping their reps and delegates informed of the group conscience and then trusting the reps and delegates to do their jobs. Um, sometimes we hear from a member who's looking who do I for who do I complain to? Um, and if they ask me that question, I'm, you know, I'm like, if I have a problem, it's my responsibility to explain my opinion to the group. When I do, the group can discuss it, the issue, and they can resolve it. Sometimes the resolution is something I never thought of, something I couldn't even imagine. And hopefully it's something that I can accept, the group's decision. But the group's decision only comes after the uh, discussion is complete. Uh, part. I just want to, um, well, I guess this gets into concept two. So just I, it's some of the questions like I'm responsible for my life. I like to think of how I can use the steps and the traditions and the concepts in my personal life, like in all my affairs, use these principles in all my affairs. And so, you know, what am I ultimately responsible for? What can I delegate? Um, it, and I have other notes on what are the world services referred to in concept one. WSO produces literature, works with non-English speaking groups to translate literature. Uh, they carry out the policy decisions made by the World Service Business Conference with supervision by the Board of Trustees Executive Committee. They create and maintain the OA World's wide website, which is oa.org. And um, they also maintain the meeting registration and make registered uh, meetings accessible to members around the world through Find a Meeting. And they help groups and other service bodies. And they pass on members' questions to someone who can help them. And um, one responsibility of an OA group is to, is to support OA World Services. And that is um, what we do through our group conscience, we support that group conscience by participating in the service structure of intergroup region, um, by sending delegates, and uh, also by sending our seven tradition con contributions. Um, and also by listening when people give reports, like I don't always like listening, but uh, that's really helpful for an informed group conscience. And I just want to say that I absolutely trust in the group conscience process. If I didn't, I would despair. Uh, it would, I, I wouldn't know how things would work. And sometimes I find myself judging personalities because I'm still human. Um, some of our trusted servants, 
But I so believe in the process and in, in those trusted servants' abilities to grow and change through service, and also in my own ability to grow and change through service. And um, so I keep coming back. I, I keep coming back to service and uh, I keep trusting, I keep learning, growing, changing, and I'll pass and try to answer any questions you might have. Thank you, Beth, so much for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us today around concept one. Um, so we'll now be transitioning into a question and answer segment, and I'll introduce Joe, who is our moderator for today. Come on in, Joe. Thank you so much, Violet. Thank you so much, Beth. Uh, my name is Joanne. I am a compulsive eater and your moderator for today. Please continue to send your concept one and two questions to me in the chat. I will be reading through those. We will try to get through as many as we can today. Our first question, I find, Beth, this is to you, Beth. I find I am often anxious and on edge during business meetings and group conscience meetings, and I don't want to attend because of that anxiety. How do I overcome this? What do you, what's your experience? Oh my goodness, that's such an interesting question. Thank you, whoever sent that. Um, you know, uh, let's see, I don't have that experience because, you know, one of my friends said I was a born bureaucrat, so I'm not, I'm not anxious there. So I don't have that experience. Um, it is helpful to hear the question so that I can uh, remember that people in the meeting might be anxious and, um, and uncomfortable. And I would, I would say, uh, you know, I do have experiences in meetings and, and with other people in meetings and just like in a regular OA meeting, maybe come for a while and don't talk as long as you don't need to talk, you know, as long as you feel more comfortable not talking don't talk, just listen. And, you know, if, uh, if you're moved by your higher power to share something, uh, if you, if you think that it'll be helpful, um, then you, then you might. And, um, otherwise I just say relax. And I, as I also said, there's concept one, but not everybody does their service in those kinds of meetings. Uh, you know, call a newcomer or or do another kind of service. You know, maybe you're more comfortable, I don't know, uh, making flyers or, or doing something. There's so much that can be done to help carry the message. I, I would not put myself in a position where I was uncomfortable. I wouldn't push myself too hard, but I would try to be open and try to see what I could do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Our next question, have you heard of a pyramid of concepts, service board pyramid, special focus? Have you heard of that? I Here, absolutely know about it. I was part of the committee that, that just revised the, so I think that what we're talking about, I, um, I wish I could pull it up quickly, but um, I think what, oh, my goodness, it's right here on my screen. Hold on. Um, I think that what you're talking about is called the um, the service pyramid. And um, 
the OA service pyramid and it is an upside down pyramid. I was part of the committee that, that worked on this. So this is the overall service structure of Overeaters Anonymous. This is meant to say the top part is meant to show the blue line, the groups with individual members and groups with individual members send representatives to these service bodies that are in the light green line. So those would be inner groups and um, not every country has inner groups. Some only have a national service board. Some countries have inner groups and national service boards. And then, and those uh, are part of the service structure that groups can affiliate with and, um, and that's, those are the ways that you send people to region and to the World Service Business Conference. In the green striped, those, the LSB is for language service boards and the SFSB is for special focus service boards. So a language service board would be everybody that speaks a language, no matter what country they're in. So like there is a Spanish, uh, Spanish language service board, and it covers people that that speak Spanish in Spain and in South America and in Mexico, Central America. The United States has a lot of uh, Spanish speaking members. Um, so they are they are affiliated by that one thing, which is their common language. And then a special focus service board is new. It's one of the reasons the um, the uh, service structure uh, was clarified. And it is, um, there are, it's an opportunity to have a service board uh, throughout the world that is uh, associated with a special focus, might be uh, LGBTQ plus, it might be, um, there is a, um, BIPOC special service board, black, indigenous and people of color. Uh, I think there might be, or might gonna be a men's special focus service board. So they're associated with each other through this special focus. Um, and then the yellow line are the regions. Um, it's very interesting. They're color coded. Uh, like I said, this meeting is in, in Australia, which is pink, which is which is region 10. Um, the purple is region nine and they have a very big region. I think they have 47 languages. It's a, it's a bit, I won't say unwieldy, but it's more difficult to wield than some of them. Then the World Service Business Conference, which has delegates from all these places. The Board of Trustees is made up of the um, well, not anymore. This is already out of date. We just did this when we redid the um, service concepts and traditions manual last year. And it's already out of date because we no longer have region trustees and general service trustees. We have region uh, region liaisons, trustee, region trustee liaisons. And, um, and then we have people that serve on the executive committee and then the WSO staff is off to the side. So that's the OA service structure.
Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. I put you on the spot there. Well, with no, the no, question. no, that's one of my favorite things. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, just a, a note, this meeting did start in Melbourne. So our first intergroup was the Melbourne intergroup and we were region 10. We've been around for two and a half years. And during that time we've transitioned and we left Melbourne, we left region 10 and we joined virtual region. So we are now region 11 is our region. Just right. We're a virtual meeting. Um, so the next question talks about conflict within a group conscience. Uh, are there particular, so this is talking about group conscience. I wonder if this is going back to traditions, but how do we no. balance and compassionately address conflict, lack of, what's this word? Uh, unan unanimity. Um, unanimity. That's the word uh, in a group conscience. Right. Well, it can be it can be very tricky, you know, because because we're dealing with people and personalities, um, and like everybody understanding the goal that the goal is unanimity and unanimity um, defined as something that we can all live with. So, you know, when people are really divided, somebody wants one thing and somebody else wants the other thing, it's, it's kind of like, you know, never will they meet. But sometimes there are solutions that, that, uh, that take away that, right? That you go to the, a third position and, and everybody can agree on that third position. So, that's why it's really important to listen to the minority voice and to um, to make sure everybody gets a chance to talk. You know, especially if somebody feels really strongly, like if you're talking about conflict, probably two strong personalities. I'm frequently one of them, and um, and they want you to understand what they believe, right? And the thing is, is that if there's a big group and people care about unanimity, including the strong personalities, then it's possible to uh, come up with a solution. And I absolutely uh, believe in it. We had a, you know, and one thing is um, uh, there is a, there is something at oa.org called, um, I'm not thinking of the words, but how to how to um, deal with a uh, a problem person in the meeting, right? And so sometimes when people are butting heads, both of them can be the problem people. And so you might use that. I wish I I wish I could think of the title and the words. Um, you might want to use that, um, or you might just. Just keep talking about it. Keep putting it off. Or another thing is, okay, we'll try it your way for what a month and my way for another month or, you know, six months or whatever that it will be clear what, what will work. And I think just trusting that the higher powers guiding it, um, like I said about the World Service Business Conference, always turning to the serenity prayer. What can I change? What should I accept? And please give me the wisdom to know the difference. 
Uh, I think all of those ways are uh, ways that we can uh, deal with that kind of situation. Thank you so much, Beth. Um, the next question is, what does it look like when we practice these concepts in our families, our everyday life? Do you have experience with that that you'd like to share? Um, you know, I think I'm going to be talking about, about some of that in, in, um, you know, I just, I just went through my notes. I'm going to be talking about some of that in concept two. So, um, and I, I have to say, I'm not great at that because I'm not great at getting along with people, even after many years in the service structure, the person that I did my, my concept study with was really, really good at, um, you know, kind of extrapolating the principles into, into her family. And it, it just, it can be done. Um, I mean, group conscience, I can just say, no, I want to do this. And if my partner doesn't want to, then I can be mad all night or I can, you know, whatever, keep talking until we come to something that, that we can agree with. I mean, that I think, you know, the idea of a collective conscience, even with only two people, you want to have something that everybody can live with. And it might be, okay, we'll do my thing one time and we'll do your thing the other time. But there's a solution. I should have Thank written a book with that title. Yeah. Thank you, Beth. Uh, last question, and then we'll move on to the concept two. So you spoke, Beth, about the concepts and how they're applicable to all members. What do you say is the authority that a new person might have? Hmm. So, um, so what I think about about newcomers and what I talked about was their responsibility to speak up if they had anything to say, right? Because just because you're new, I mean, sometimes, you know, the people that have been there forever, they're talking and they're saying the same thing. And then there's little voice from the back of the rooms, like, well, how about this? And duh, it's a great solution, right? That that we didn't think of because we kept butting heads. And so, you know, what gives the, so that's a responsibility. What gives them the authority? The concepts, the concepts say you have the authority. When you speak up, you are another voice in our fellowship. I don't care if it's your first day, you are a voice in our fellowship and we will listen. Not that we'll agree, but we will listen and give it a fair fair hearing, you know? And so, um, I think, I mean, it says it, the, uh, authority and responsibility of the collective conscience and our, a newcomer is part of our collective. Thank you so much, Beth. Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone as well for sending your questions. So we're going to, uh, it is now time to pause the question and answer. We're going to come back in a moment, but first we're going back to Violet, who is our chairperson. Thank you, Violet. Thanks. Thank you, Joanne. Um, so we're now going to be moving on to concept two. The OA groups have delegated to World Service Business Conference the active maintenance of our world services. Thus, World Service Business Conference is the voice, authority, and effective conscience of OA as a whole. That, uh, 
that's a lot of words. <laughs> so welcome back, Beth. Um, and uh, again, looking forward to hearing from you. And a reminder to please do keep sending your questions in the chat to uh, moderator Joe or Joe moderator um, in the pull down menu. Beth, welcome back. Great, thank you. <clears throat> this is really kind of a little marathon to talk this much. And um, I um, will move on to, um, to concept two. So um, so to me, when I read it, concept two seemed a lot like concept one. And then I had to think about why was it different? Uh, it's different because in my opinion, because concept one talks about how the responsibility and the authority of the group conscience moves forward from the individual to each group conscience in that pyramid, from a group's business meeting to an inner group, to the region, to the World Service Business Conference. It illustrates how our fellowship operates most effectively over the whole world. Uh, and uh, huh, I'm just looking. Then I didn't go on to talk about concept two. Um, um, anyways, so in group, in concept two, then it talks about that that final final group conscience that that all of those groups i want to say below it but they're above it the groups above it in the service structure have delegated delegated uh the authority um and the responsibility to the world service business conference and what did you know what did they delegate they delegated the authority to uh and responsibility to actively maintain our world services. And it makes them, it makes them, them being the World Service Business Conference, the voice authority and effective conscience of OA as a whole. So this is, um, so concept one has the group conscience working up to the World Service Business Conference. And then concept two is about the World Service Business Conference. And that, um, uh, OA's conference, well, so each in concept one, um, we're talking about how our fellowship operates most effectively over the whole world. Each group meets at a set time and location. I mean, location is pretty weird these days um, to fulfill our primary purpose, which is to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Each group has a voice in our common experience by participating at WSBC and the other service activities that support it. And OA's conference to prove literature is produced by committee members at the World Service Business Conference so that they can be available at our groups, right? So it's, it's uh, I think the word symbiosis, you know, like we, we work and we help each other. Um, when WSBC meets, the so I was a little surprised to hear this or to kind of figure this out. Um, like who votes at WSBC. We know the delegates that you all send from your inner group get a vote. Um, and on that, on that uh, pyramid, special focus service boards and most groups get delegates based on the number of meetings they have. I mean, most inner groups send delegates based on the number of meetings that they have. 
Um, the special focus service boards and the language service boards, I, I believe, I don't have it memorized, but I believe they get like one delegate each. So um, it's not just intergroup delegates from intergroups that are, are voting. Um, also, um, the trustees are not delegates from an intergroup and they get a vote. And then region chairs get a vote and region chairs votes are region chairs vote representing the unaffiliated meetings in their region. So meetings that have not affiliated with an intergroup or a national service board are represented by the vote of the, um, of the region chair. Um, so so I, I say when they meet the delegates, the region chairs and the trustees together make decisions that affect OA as a whole. Uh, this worldwide group conscience makes administrative, operational and policy decisions for OA. So each voting member, including the trustees and the chairs is in OA for personal recovery. And we all bring our service experience and our personal professional experience to our service at WSBC and its committees. Um, then the individual groups have to trust WSBC to speak for them and to trust the service bodies to carry out their decisions. So OA service bodies meet worldwide to lovingly welcome newcomers and those willing to do service. The service authority of the group is delegated to the group's trusted servants. And that's in all those groups, all those group consciences. Um, we encourage our sponsees and other people that we talk to, to do service with love and enthusiasm. And how do we do that? We do that by including them in small tasks, by setting an example through our own service, by the, the love of service sponsors, you know, that help us do our service, by the energy of trusted service sharing their experience, strength, and hope with new members and new, new service people. Uh, service sponsors share their service experience, their understanding of the 12 concepts of service, links to the different service bodies, and other uh, resources, which you can mostly find on OA.org. We, you know, when you're doing service at that level, uh, the goal is, my goal is to live the principle of giving back what's been so generously given to me. Um, I had an experience, I was at the, um, at the uh, Italian National Convention when they were celebrating their 15th anniversary of the, of the, of OA in Italy. And, uh, you know, they had a countdown and the founder was supposed to be the only one standing, except that I'd been in OA 15 years that very month. And so I was standing as, as was she, but she had a story about how hard it was to, to, to start an OA meeting when there were no resources in her country. When I came to OA, we had some literature, we had little, I came in 1988. Um, so we had Lifeline Sampler and um, some literature. We didn't have the 12 steps, uh, yet or the 12 and 12 and, um, everything was all set up for me, you know? So that's one way that I know I have really, really been privileged 
And uh, so I, it makes me want to give back. We expand our personal experiences by doing service. Uh, we get to gain a new perspective. We get to uh, see a bigger picture of our organization, how everything's interconnected. Uh, here's a concept. I mean, not one of the concepts, but once we get comf comfortable with um, a particular service role, it's time to move on. You know, we have a principle of rotation of service and it allows us to leave our comfort zones and learn new things. And then it allows us to um, leave and let others learn those things and to get what we got out of service, you know, get to feel good about ourselves, get to learn, get to grow. Um, we also delegate authority so no one's overly burdened by responsibility. We have term limits to uphold our principle of rotation of service. And it also allows us to be democratic in thought and action. I already uh, read concept 12F to you before. Um, and so, you know, individual groups can't do the things that that we do on a world level. They, an individual group can't necessarily develop and print literature, uh, do translations, make films, videos, or ads, or participate in large public forums on compulsive overeating. So they delegate these um, services, these duties to other service bodies. Um, and the service bodies serve the groups, not the other way around. The World Service Office, the Board of Trustees, and the other service bodies in the service structure are responsible for carrying out the directives of the World Service Business Conference. They set the agenda, they, they um, make the rules, and then we carry it out. It's not the responsibility of WSO, the Board of Trustees, and other service bodies to solve all group problems. All we do is do what, what we're told by uh, World Service business conference. Um, so this is very interesting um, to me. Each individual member is responsible to answer our own questions and maybe the questions of others or, you know, to, to do that work by discuss, discussing, researching the problem and looking for solutions through group conscience. Um, it's, it's, um, so many people just call world service and think that somebody's just sitting there ready to answer their question. So many of the questions don't really have an answer. If um, some questions are uh, just routine enough that the staff will answer it, most get sent to the uh, trustee. And then the trustee will say, you know, I'm just a compulsive overeater. This is what I think. This is, this is where you can look and see what you think. This is where I looked to find out what I think. And so you should look there and find out what you think yourself. Um, and then the solution should come through a group conscience, not through, you know, well, I'm gonna call the region trustee and she's gonna answer and that's that, you know, like I'm gonna set down the law. That doesn't happen. That's not how we, how we work. Um, and so, how we can help is by suggesting avenues of discussion and research, not answers. But when somebody's uh, delegated a specific responsibility, then they need to be trusted to carry it out. Um, once, well, I already said this about a group makes a decision to pay an expense, the tre treasurer is trusted to pay it. 
Um, concept two teaches us how to rely on ourselves and others. This is um, uh, where, you know, it's like, how do I live this in my life? You know, whoever's responsible for the action, then we need to trust them and rely on them. If a group can't do it, they delegate the authority and responsibility to somebody else. Um, and then the group realized that they have to rely on those people to take the action. So I can't do everything. Sometimes I think I can, sometimes I act like I can, but bottom line is I can't. And uh, I have to learn to rely on everything. Uh, trying to do everything is like my desperate attempt to control my life. And, you know, without a doubt, I will end up in the food if I try to do that. Um, so, you know, I only get there uh, through pain, uh, through the loneliness and difficulty of my resistance to relying on others. And eventually I just have to say, you know, I can't, can you help me? And so um, I had to learn uh, kind of the difference between relying on somebody for support and demanding in an entitled way for them to help me. Uh, that's something I'm working on. Uh, but because of my reliance on a power greater than myself, I've learned to ask other people for help. One of the things that, that I have to do is I have to sort out my own responsibilities and do what I can, not, and what I can't, then I can ask for help. So I believe as humans, we're meant to be interdependent and not just with humans, but with the whole universe, you know, um, knowing and trusting that I can rely on others has brought a huge relief to me uh, that I don't have to run the universe is much easier, my, makes my life much easier. Um, it's a practice of humility when I'm willing to give up some task. But here's the trick. In order to get another person to be willing to help me, I have to give up on insisting that everything be done my way. And I have to accept the way they do it. And that's, you know, what I find, what I learn and what's helping me grow in service work is just, I just call it allowing. I have to allow the group decisions to go the way they do. I have to allow the person that's been assigned the task to do it the way they think is best. And, um, and then I just go forward. So how do our groups encourage newer members to become involved in service? And then, and, you know, maybe some of them will, will work their way to being those delegates at the world service business conference. Uh, some groups pass around a sign up sheet and that one thing that's important is that the jobs be uh, explained very, very clearly uh, because we are all volunteers. That's one of the most important things. Um, we can try to make the service we do at our meetings seem attractive and not moan and groan about, you know, I have to chair or I have to host or something. I'm very, I'm guilty of that. That's why I'm saying it. Um, we listen intent, uh, attentively when, when people give their reports. Um, and, uh, you know, the groups that I go to, I think we could talk a bit more about service and sponsoring a bit more specifically. Um, the groups that I go to, we uh, have 
a lot of us are doing the first 12 days of OA. So uh, we're getting a lot of people sponsoring and that's great, but it's always good to talk about it specifically. Um, the concept of a home group is part of concept two. Uh, and so my home group is a meeting that I'm committed to attending uh, regularly and doing service at. My home group, I never miss it unless I'm out of town or have an unavoidable meeting. Uh, I do my best to schedule everything possible around my home group meetings because they're, it's that important to me. Um, I attend the business meetings and um, that allows us to decide how, how we want to run ourselves. And we get to hear from, we get to hear those reports from the intergroup rep, which includes, uh, you know, a report on what they learned about the region's assembly and the, um, and the world service business conference. And so for me, when I start missing my home group meeting or my home group's business meetings, I start slowly and sneakily slipping away. Uh, I feel less a part of it. I, I start thinking, this is just me, I start thinking that they don't even miss me. Um, and, and it is a very dangerous place for me. So I am, I am committed to these things. Uh, when I'm at those meetings, I know I'm in a loving fellowship. And I, I notice when others are missing and I can reach out to them. So I have a question for everybody. I can see, I have to go through uh, the, I have to click through to see everybody, but uh, how many people here know who your trusted servants are? Uh, how many know who your region, your inner groups region rep is? Yay. Uh, and how many know who the world service business delegate is or delegates? Yeah, a few people, because those things are important. Um, one thing is, be, you know, they're not special. They're compulsive overeaters that can't stop eating without this program. But they, because of where they go and who they talk to, they get to see a different side of OA than we get to see in our local meetings. They see what other meetings and other inner groups and other regions are dealing with. They uh, see what problems they have these other groups have in common and they see what solutions are working to help uh, the still suffering compulsive overeater you can learn a lot they're good people to know and you can invite them to your home group meeting and ask them to talk about their experience doing service and it's a great way to find out about the voice authority collective conscience of oa as it and how it works at at many levels Okay, who here has read, discussed, and voted on the WSBC agenda questionnaire in the past? Let's see, two hands. Okay, so I'll just I'll just mention what that is. You know what? I know this might make people sick, but I have to get up and turn on my light. It's getting getting dark here. Um uh the agenda groups and individual members can put forward motions and amend amendments to be voted on at the World Service Business Conference. But those motions and amendments are then sent out to intergroups. Uh, the 
like a particular motion needs a certain number of intergroups to vote for it before it will be put on the agenda at World Service Business Conference. If a group votes, mm -hmm. is it time? Five minutes? Yes. Okay, thank you. Um, if, um, oh, sorry. So if, um, if the group votes, the vote is not for or against the motion. It's about whether you want the motion to be discussed. So, you know, individual groups get to, or intergroups get to make the decision about what WSBC is doing. That's what really makes it the collective conscience of, of our fellowship. Um, some, you know, I said this before, sometimes we hear about a change and we think they did this to us, but we each have an opportunity through this agenda questionnaire part uh, process to be or to have a representative and to be part of the conversation about how to most effectively operate our fellowship. Okay, has anyone here ever sent your region rep or your WSBC delegate a card of support? when they went off to the region assembly or the world service business conference. Yay. Um, well, I haven't, so I'll just say that, but, but, um, but I have gotten one a long time ago when I first went to WSBC, somebody gave me an envelope with some really simple um, basic uh bookmarks that were really beautiful and they had encouraging slogans and affirmations on them to support me. And it really makes a difference. So, I mean, that's one way that we can participate in this collective conscience. Um, and does your group ever talk about uh, something on OA.org that was helpful? Yeah, I, our group doesn't, but you know, now that I, I have to confess, before I became a trustee, I only went on OA.org to find a meeting. And um, now I see what valuable information is there. And I do, I talk, I, I mention it, I, I refer people there. Uh, but I think it'd be a good thing for people to talk about. Um, I thought about what service characteristics that others have that I would like. Uh, I appreciated one person's willingness to ask for help and understanding and trying to solve a problem. I'd like to both consult others and just ask for help more myself. And then I, these are from my notes and it, I'd put in there note to self that would entail asking and then listening and would mean I couldn't do all the talking. So, you know, there's just so much to learn and service gives me the opportunity to do that. Um, other things that I've um, appreciated are quick turnaround on minutes and projects and thoughtfulness and reflection on applying these principles to personal situations. That's what I got from, um, from the person that I did this with. But the most moving thing to me when I became a trustee, there's actually a trustee response notebook. If we get a, something through the World Service Office, we have to send it back to the office when we reply to the person and they're collected so that we can read them and learn from each other. And um, I was really, really impressed with the kindness and the love in my colleagues' answers. 
And frankly, my first year, I don't think about it so much, but I would have my snarky response in my head. And then I just have to throw that all out and, you know, try to go towards love and, and kindness. Um, other things, people that remain calm an ability to be open under pressure, knowledge of traditions and concepts to use as a resource under stress and being able and willing to listen under pressure. Do people here have service sponsors? Okay. I see one person. Um, yeah, I, it just, as I think, as it turns out, I, when you become a trustee, you're assigned a mentor. And, um, and so you have an ass assigned um, uh, service sponsor for that first year. Everything I wrote was sent through that mentor. So that was really helpful. And, um, and my sponsor now is is basically works as a service sponsor. It's really really helpful to um, to have somebody who's been there to um, uh, to help me. So I, the last thing I'll just say is uh, I know my time is up, but is that um, I've lived by myself most of my adult life, and so it's really hard for me to share anything and to share responsibility and to um, and to rely on people. So that's something that I've learned in, in doing service, uh, you know, started in 1995 at the World Service Business Conference, my first World Service Business Conference and uh, continues to today. So with that, I'll pass and answer questions. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again so much, Beth. Uh, for sharing your experience, strength, and hope with us today. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, so we're now moving into a question and answer segment. And welcome back our moderator, who will be leading that. So come on in, Joe. Thank you. Hi. Thank you so much, Violet. And again, thank you so much, Beth. Uh, my name is still Joe, Joanne. I am a compulsive eater. So we're moving now into the second section of question and answers. Please continue to send me your questions. We will see how many we can get through. So if I was wanting to do service at that higher level at world service or trustee, like not trustee level, but at a higher level, there see what abstinence requirements are there. And um, it seems quite hard to get into service because of those requirements. Can you talk hmm. about that? Um, well, I don't have them memorized, but the abstinence requirements are in your region um, bylaws, and they are also in your in the OA bylaws subpart B, which are on OA.org. Your region bylaws should also be posted. They have to agree. Um, bylaws have to uh, intergroup bylaws. Uh, it should be in your intergroup bylaws as well, actually. Intergroup bylaws have to be, are supposed to be run by the trustees so that uh, in certain areas, including this, that they are in conform in conformance and compliance with the um, OA, dot, uh, the OA Inc. subpart B bylaws. I, I believe it's I don't know. It's either one year or two years of abstinence at that level. But the thing is, is that um, 
you know, there's some service, there's usually some abstinence requirement for service at intergroup. And, um, and then there's an abstinence requirement and usually uh, some length of time at intergroup for the region level. And then at, there is an abstinence requirement and you have to have gone to the region assemblies to go to the World Service Business Conference. I just see it as a stepping stone. I mean, the goal is we wanna be abstinent. Um, and, uh, and so we work on that. I guess from the tone of the question, I'll just say something that is, um, you know, abstinence is not perfection, right? Abstinence is a commitment. What is, I mean, we have a definition of abstinence. I don't need to make stuff up, right? We have a definition of abstinence and I can't remember what it is. It changes every year because people, because people put in motions and we keep changing it every year, but basically it is, um, a commitment to not eat compulsively and uh and it's not perfection in my mind it is not well i had one extra green bean you know so i don't know you know we do our best and we go but uh i i hope that i mean if overeaters anonymous works then we can find abstinence and if we are abstinent and we are interested in doing service at that level, which I will, will remind people is lower, not higher, um, is more of a servant serving more people, um, then, uh, then we will try to make that commitment to abstinence. Thank you so much, Beth. The next question ties into that a little bit. Our intergroup has had no, no person volunteer for World Service Rep for several years. Do you have a suggestion for how to remedy this? Hmm. Well, interestingly, I went to a, a meeting today. I, I uh, got a message last night that an intergroup the intergroup officers were going to be meeting today and they are down two officers and two off two of the remaining three officers are um, rotating out in November and they're, they are panicked. And so, so, you know, we talked and I had two ideas and they're kind of diametrically opposed and kind of not. Uh, one is um, just to let people know the consequences of that behavior, you know, and without shaming and blaming, you know, so that's a little tricky, but uh, in the, in the case of uh, the world service business conference delegate, uh, if you don't have a world service business conference delegate, then you don't have a voice then you know you uh, can't really complain if you don't like the decisions, um, and you miss out on so much, and they miss out on so much personal growth 
so, so much. They miss out on uh, being with people who are committed to abstinence and recovery. Um, so, you know, kind of like having a clear job description, having a clear list of the advantages might be a way uh, to attract people. Then the, it, so like this particular inner group, they haven't had a chair for a year and they're still meeting, but um, the treasurer is going to stop, step down and they will be left with a recording secretary secretary. And I said, well, you know, you can keep recording that there is no meeting because there are no officers, um, you know, whatever. Um, but when, when, uh, when it comes down to it, when there isn't a treasurer to pay their intergroup provides uh, the video conferencing service account for the meetings and those will go away if it doesn't get paid. And so those are just kind of consequences of the behavior. It's no blame or shame, but it's like, if nobody cares, then, then this is what we won't have. And then the other thing is making it attractive. You know, I, I shared with them about people coming to coming to my meetings and saying, oh, the um, Saturday night meeting needs help. It needs a lot of help. Can you come support us? Well, you know what? I don't want to go to a dying meeting. I mean, I might for service, but who's going to just want to go to that? And I suggested, this was one of my sponsees, and I suggested he said, well, there were only two people there. I said, I would go to my next meeting and I would say, I was at a great meeting last night. This is what we talked about. This was the topic. This was the piece that I said or somebody else said that really moved my recovery forward. doesn't matter how many people were there to have a great meeting. I just, I'm kind of, I go both ways, kind of uh, uh, the consequences of of the decision and also attraction. World Service Business Conference was held virtually this year. Uh, would you share briefly on how that worked in terms of, you talked about representative democracy, that more people were perhaps represented this year because of the virtual element. Can you speak to that? So the first time I went to World Service was in 1995 and I don't think there were 300 delegates. I think there were 298. And then I didn't, I think I went like 2004, 2011. Then I didn't go back until 2018. And there were like 198. So I was really kind of devastated by that. And, um, and then I was really excited when we were going to go um, virtual the first this is the second year we were virtual and I thought we would get, I thought we would have 400 people and we didn't. And I don't, you know, I mean, who wants to sit on a video conferencing meeting for hours every day? Um, but uh, you know, I do. And, um, and apparently people don't want to. And um, so, you know, we're represented by the people that want to be there. And again, it's a consequence of the behavior. If nobody wants to be there, then, then it just starts folding. 
that's okay too. You know, like when we believe in the process, if a higher power is working through our group conscience, then that's what it's telling us. So. Thank you so much. The question here is, I've seen workshops and, and uh, intergroups doing a fourth step inventory. Have you had experience with that? And can you speak briefly to it? Um, you know, uh, I think 33 years. I have done a fourth step in a, uh, inventory in a group um, in my other fellowship, but I don't think I have done it in OA. You know, we we read the questions and we talk about them, but we don't um, we don't do that. So I don't have any OA experience with that. Thank you so much. Um, how does OA World Service approve, revise, or update the OA literature? If you, if anybody wants to um, either have a new, um, well, let me just say, if you want to introduce a new piece of literature, and if anybody's into it, I think we need literature on the concepts. I think it is, it is appalling the small bit that we have. Um, but um, if you want to, there's a proposal that you put forward. And I don't know the process so well, but I'm sure it probably goes through the board of trustees. I'm sure that it has to go through the conference approved literature, or it's called the yeah, conference CLC conference approved literature committee. And then it is written by the conference approved literature committee. That is, um, sorry, my light in this room is so weird. Um, that is, uh, it is, um, you don't automatically get on it just because you want to. You have to kind of be not invited on it, but uh, approved to be on it. And, um, and then they write the literature by committee. About changing literature, um, there is a strategic SPP, Strategic Publications I don't know, process, I don't, you know, um, and it is a calendar. It goes out at least 10 years. I think all of our literature is reviewed at least every 10 years, maybe some every five years. And um, if there's, if there's a uh, call for it to be changed, it'll be changed. You know, the Voices of Recovery was just changed. It updated a second edition. And, um, and you know, the, the 12 and 12, uh, we have a second edition of that. So there's separate processes for uh, review and change and for uh, proposals for new literature. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Beth. So it is now time for me to hand back to Violet, back to you. Thanks, Joanne. Once again, thank you, Beth, for, uh, for being here with us today. Um, really appreciate it. Uh, seventh tradition, according to our seventh tradition, we are fully self-supporting through our own contributions. As we have now moved to virtual meetings, it is important that we continue to be fully self-supporting. This allows Overeaters Anonymous to continue to carry the message to those that still suffer. 
and you are able to send your donations through our group's website, www.ad4l.info. For those of you able to see the Zoom chat, uh, this link is also posted there. Thank you for your support. It is much appreciated. A reminder that a Design for Living Big Book OA is a daily meeting. We um, base our time out of Melbourne, Australia, 6.30 a.m. start time Monday to Friday and 7.30 a.m. start time Saturday and Sunday. Uh, those are Melbourne days. And please do check out our website for more information um, on the time zones and also for podcasts and lots of resources, www.ad4l.info. And our next monthly speaker series is going to be held on Sunday, August 14th, Melbourne Day. And uh, we'll be continuing our discussion on the concept. So we hope to see you there. Uh, in closing, I would like to thank you all for your service in coming here today. And thank you, Beth, for your service and being here today with us. Thank you. By following the 12 steps, attending meetings regularly and using the OA tools, we are changing our lives. You will find hope and encouragement in Overeaters Anonymous. To the newcomer, we suggest attending at least six different meetings to learn the many ways that OA can help you. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. Please remember our commitment to honor each other's anonymity. What you hear here, whom you see here, when you leave here, let it stay here. And let us all reach out by phone or email to newcomers, returning members, and to each other. Together, we get better. So to close our meeting, um, will Nikki please unmute and uh, read the um, Big Book Promises from page 83. And uh, that'll be posted, uh, that'll be share screen so people can follow along. Thank you, Mickey. Thank you, Violet, for your service. And thank you, Beth, for your service as well, and for Joe, uh, and for everyone who was here. Uh, the Promises. I'm Mickey, Compulsive Overeater. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them.